the main reading that my, my sermon's on today and the sermon's on hell, how to avoid it. And the reading is, uh, you'll probably be quite familiar with it, is Luke 16, 19 to 31, uh, the rich man and Lazarus. That's Luke 16, 19 to 31. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which could pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Hell is most likely the most unpopular, feared and despised teaching in the entire Bible. The thought of people being punished for eternity in hell is repugnant to the human mind. It is a doctrine that which the natural heart revolts and struggles against but you must believe it or renounce the teaching of God's word in spite of the fearful and terrifying nature of hell and of eternal punishment the strongest support for this teaching comes from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ himself the most terrifying imagery and teaching are found coming from the mouth of no other than Jesus He continually warned men and women of the danger of going to hell. Jesus Christ, our creator, redeemer and judge, spoke more on hell than the apostles and prophets combined. Hell is a place that is not often preached on. To ignore the clear teaching on hell is to ignore Jesus Christ. Luke 16, 9-31 has been the focus of of much controversy. Some take the story of the rich man and Lazarus to be a true account of events that actually occurred. Others consider 
in a parable or allegory. Those who interpret this text as a true record have several reasons for doing so. First, the story is never called a parable. Many of Jesus' stories are designated as parables, such as the prosperous farmer in Luke 12, 16, the barren fig tree in Luke 13, 6, the wedding feast in Luke 14, 7, and the sower of the seed in Luke 8, 4. Secondly, the story of the rich man and Lazarus uses the actual name of a person. Such specificity would set it apart from ordinary parables in which the characters are not named. And thirdly, this particular story does not seem to fit the definition of a parable, which is a presentation of a spiritual truth using an earthly illustration. The story of the rich man and Lazarus presents spiritual truth directly with no earthly metaphor. The setting for most of the story is the afterlife as opposed to the parables which unfold in earthly context. In contrast, others maintain that this story is a parable and not an actual incident that occurred. They point out Jesus' standard practice was to use parables. He used them in a lot of his teachings. They do not consider the above argument strong enough to warrant classifying the story as anything but a parable. Also, there are some aspects of the account that do not seem to agree with the rest of Scripture. For example, can people in hell and people in heaven see each other and speak to each other? But Jesus uses this text, whether a parable or not, to illustrate, among other things, hell. Jesus taught that hell is a real place. Here in Luke 16, Jesus is teaching us about a rich man and a poor man that died. He also teaches that there is a way to avoid hell. Let us look more closely at this portion of scripture. Jesus does not say anything directly about the rich man being a bad person, but is clear from the description that Jesus gives He was self-indulgent, self-centred and self-sufficient. Self-indulgent because he did not deprive himself of life's pressures. Self-centred because he thought only of himself. He completely ignored the plight of the poor beggar at his door. And self-sufficient because he felt that he had need of nothing, especially God. He had it all, or so he thought. The beggar was just the opposite. He had nothing of material good. He was totally dependent on others for sustenance. The dogs took more pity on him than the rich man did. Notice too that Jesus calls him by name, Lazarus. Jesus calls himself the good shepherd and he says that the good shepherd knows his sheep and he calls them by name. Lazarus knew the good shepherd, and the good shepherd knew him. Both men died, and everybody dies. The American statesman Benjamin Franklin said the only two things in life that were absolutely certain was death and taxes. A phrase that became famous, only he got it wrong. We can avoid taxes legally and illegally, but no one avoids death. It is the most certain fact of life. Death is the most democratic institution on earth. 
There is no discrimination in death. It tolerates no exception and everyone participates. When the Irish writer George, George Bernard Shaw completed his study on the causes of death, his firm conclusion was that one out of one dies. The psalmist sums it up well in Psalm 89:48. What man is he that liveth and shall not see death? Shall he deliver his soul from the hand of the grave? And we read that Lazarus is carried into Abraham's bosom. This was understood to be a place of honour. People during this period ate their meals while reclining at tables, which was about 18 to 24 inches high. They would recline with their elbows on a cushion and their feet extended away from the table and the head towards the table. With this posture, it was natural that you would be reclined next to the bosom of your neighbour. To be placed next to the host of a banquet was to be given a place of honour. Abraham was the father of Israel, and it was accepted that Abraham was with God in heaven. Therefore, for Lazarus to be in Abraham's bosom was to be in the place of the highest honour. And we also read in John 13 of the disciple that Jesus loved leaning against his bosom as they ate. The rich man was buried and woke up in hell. Notice that he was conscious, aware of his surroundings and in full possession of his senses. Jesus says that and, and in hell he lift up his eyes. Jesus also says that he was in torment. The rich man also asked Abraham to let Lazarus dip his finger in water to cool his tongue. He felt thirst. He said, for I am tormented in this flame. He could feel pain. The Greek word used here for torment is basinos, and it often describes the hideous instruments of torture used for extracting information from prisoners. The word is also depicting, depicts the severe pain caused by disease. Over 1,500 years ago, the Bishop of Constantinople, John Christodom, expanded on what this will mean. And he said, The damned shall suffer an end without end, a death without death, a decay without decay. They shall have punishment without pity, misery without mercy, sorrow without succor, crying without comfort, torment without ease. Obviously, hell is not a very nice place. And notice too that he retained the same nature that he possessed on earth. He is still only thinking about himself, and even when he thinks of someone else, he's only concerned about his family, his brothers. What about the rest of the world? This portion of scripture excludes the idea of inactivity of the soul between death and resurrection, commonly called soul sleep. The Seventh-day Adventists believe in soul sleep and annihilation. The Jehovah's Witnesses believe in soul sleep and annihilation. And basically they believe when you die, you wake up so many years later and are judged. The righteous go to heaven and the unrighteous are annihilated in the lake of fire. The scripture never speaks of soul sleep or the total 
destruction of the lost. And why would anyone assume it? The lost are going to be just as eternal as Christians are. They just won't be comfortable. People that die without Jesus Christ's righteousness will spend eternity in hell. They will be in full possession of their senses. They will feel, they see, thirst. They will retain all their earthly desires. People in hell continue being the same people they were on earth. They will be accompanied by murderers, rapists, thieves, sexual deviates, and brawlers, etc. Notice the contrast between Lazarus in heaven and the rich man in hell. Jesus gives no indication that Lazarus is aware of the rich man's plight. The rich man, however, is very conscious that Lazarus is in a far better place. I believe the reason Lazarus is unconscious of the rich man is that Lazarus would feel sorrow for him. And the Bible teaches us there is no sorrow in heaven, as we read in Revelation 21. And I heard a great voice out of the heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. For Lazarus to see the rich man suffering would have caused him pain. The rich man, on the other hand, is in hell. All he knows now is pain. There is no contact between those in heaven and those in hell. There's a great chasm or gulf fixed. The gap is so wide that it could never be crossed and is fixed. That is, it is permanent. Dantain's legend over the portal of hell is the truth. And it says, all, all hope abandon ye who enter here. There is no hope in hell. Many people say, I am sick of this world. I'll be happy when I'm dead. Or it will be great to be at rest when I die. Or when I die, there will be peace. Or I'll be happy when I die. The Bible clearly teaches that if you die without Christ, there is no hope, no peace, no rest and no happiness. No man can leave heaven on behalf of those on earth. The rich man wanted Lazarus to go preach to his brothers so that they might have a change of heart and avoid going to hell. But Abraham tells him that they have Moses and the prophets and they should listen to them. What does he mean, Moses and the prophets? The Jewish Bible, like today, contained only the Old Testament. The first five books of the Old Testament are the books of law given by Moses. The prophets were all the books written by the various prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, etc. In other words... Abraham was saying to, to him, they have the law, they should heed its teaching. The world thinks little of the doctrine of the law. There is even disdain within the so-called Christian church. You often hear the call, we are not under law but under grace. Many seek signs and wonders and are constantly looking for a new spiritual high. When I was researching for this sermon, I read Calvin's notes on the passage and things have not changed much. Calvin wrote this some 400 years ago. The doctrine of the law is little esteemed by the world. 
The prophets are neglected and no man submits to hear God speaking in his own manner. Some would desire that angels should descend from heaven. Others that the dead should come out of their grave. Others that new miracles should be performed every day to sanction what they hear. And others that voices should be heard from the sky. But if God were pleased to comply with all their foolish wishes, it would have been of no advantage to them. For God has included in his word all that is necessary to be known. And the authority of this word has been attested and proved by authentic seals. Besides, faith does not depend on miracles or on extraordinary signs, but is the particular gift of the Spirit and is produced by means of the Word. We also have the New Testament. The Bible is a source of our spiritual food. Many people today look everywhere for answers except in the Scriptures. One of the fastest growing religions in Australia is Wiccan, and that is witchcraft. Even our local papers have ads for psychics and psalm readers, palm readers, I mean, and there is the weekly astrology readings. And think about it, things have not changed much since Kelvin wrote that 400 years ago. And I'll quote from Kelvin again. Kelvin said, I freely acknowledge that there is nothing to which the flesh is more strongly inclined than to listen to vain revelations. And we see how eagerly those men, of whom the whole of Scripture is an object of dislike, throw themselves into the snares of Satan. Hence have arisen necromancy and other delusions, which the world not only receives with avidity, but runs after with furious rage. Necromancy is um, talking to the dead, like seances and things. In case you don't know. People look everywhere for salvation, everywhere but the scriptures. Our so-called civilised world is drifting further and further away from the things of God. Our laws are changing. There is no more capital punishment. Abortion reigns everywhere throughout the Western world. The Racial and Religious Vilification Act here in Victoria essentially outlaws the gospel and speaking the truth. I believe it will soon be illegal to smack your children. These trends don't only come from the secular world, but are supported by many of our so-called church leaders. And I remember, as a new Christian about 18 years ago, attending a course on child discipline at the Church of Christ, and I was taught in that course it's best not to smack children. Clearly a teaching against the Bible, as we read in Proverbs 23, 13 and 14. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. I believe as Christians we need to be more vocal with our opposition against the trends in society. I believe this is one of the points of the passage and the main point would be of that passage is that God has provided us with a way out. The Holy Scriptures, the Bible contains all the knowledge to avoid hell. It not only tells us how to make laws and how to live, but points us towards Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. And we do read in that 
we read, neither will they be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. That's a scary thought because it reveals the hardness of people's hearts, that they would reject God's good news even if it was preached from someone who has returned from the dead. And it has been preached by someone that has returned from the dead. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. He has shown us how to avoid the torments of hell. The evidence is within the pages of the scriptures. The evidence is within our history. The evidence is in the lives of believers. Even creation itself cries out there is a creator. Yet many, or should I say, most totally reject Jesus Christ and will pay dearly for their rejection. God's justice will be done. Hell is real. It's a real place. It's a place of torment, of torture. And Jesus says there will be flames in Revelation 20.14, calls it a lake of fire. What effect should the knowledge of hell have upon you? God's people. You've been chosen, chosen in Jesus Christ to spread the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't know who the elect are. You are called to do the work of an evangelist. You don't know that Kerrang may be on the brink of a revival. Pray for the unsaved. Tell people about the things of God whenever the chances arise. If the chance does not arise, you may have to create your own. Ask your non-Christian friends along to church. Visit that person down the road. Let your life be a witness for Christ. I know it's not always easy, but we have God's promise that his word, word will not return void that shall accomplish his purpose. You might say nobody in their right mind would want to go to hell. I say that there is nobody that is in their right mind without Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. Christians are the only one in their right mind because the Bible tells us that Christians have the mind of Christ. Hell is a real place, a place of eternal punishment, but God has given us a way out through his written word, the word that speaks of the living word, that is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen.